everyone. This is Sarah Whaler, host of Interrelate. Today we are talking to Kat Dolan DeVos about psychotherapy, her practice as a therapist and certified yoga teacher, and how the importance of having a strong relationship with yourself through self-awareness and mindfulness is the key to having powerful relationships with others. Kat, thank you for joining me today. You're so welcome. Yeah. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, so happy to have you. Um, so we're going to dive right into it. The first question I'm going to ask you today is basically is, is regarding your approach as a therapist, making mindfulness and self-compassion mm -hmm. front and center. And that's mm -hmm. definitely sort of the hallmark of your practice as a therapist. Oh, yeah. um, how does that connect to approaching relationships with yourself, oneself, and others, would yeah. you say? Yeah. Well, self-compassion, to just dive in there, the more I learn about self-compassion, the more I'm convinced that it's the thing that will save yeah. the world. Like The research on self-compassion and the way that it changes our brain structure, the way that it fortifies us against anxiety, depression, the way that it allows us to just connect more more in depth with not only ourselves, but the people in our lives. As I was saying, the research right. on all of that is just so robust right. that that's part of why I've gotten so fired up about it, is that there's there's this concrete science that just shows how, how much of an impact it can have on how we relate to ourselves, first and foremost. Right, totally. So if we're looking at how to then go out into the world and relate to other people, having this really sturdy foundation of self-compassion, self-love, mm -hmm. um, and uh, feeling disconnected connected in that way is foundational yeah and then we layer this mindfulness piece on top where mindfulness helps us to be curious and to be curious without self-criticism which I think is an important ingredient for yeah. relationships too when we're learning totally. how to relate to somebody else and be curious about them right without in immediately going to a place of, of judgment exactly now how how would you say that people can practice self-compassion how do you do that well, that's part of what's cool about the research is that there are these concrete practices for self-compassion where it, it can be mantras, um, it can be uh, different mindfulness practices where you're actually like picturing people that love you just, you know, without, you know, without any qualifications. Right. They just 100% care for you and kind of picturing them yeah. and sending their love towards you or, or picturing you sending your love back at them. That can be a, a pet. That's great. A grandparent. Yeah. Um, it's a couple of cool books that I like that I can share later yeah. too that just sort of break down those practices into exactly like what you're asking. Right. How do we actually do that? And I think I was reading something after we had talked about self-compassion a little while back, um, the book you had recommended, mm -hmm. Self-Compassion, is that the title? The one by Kristen Neff. Yes, yeah. exactly. Kristen Neff. And I think she had mentioned in the book, like, literally touching yourself. Yeah. Like, and I don't mean in a sexual sense, but, I mean, it could be that too. But, like, literally just, like, touching your arm and just being, like... Like, hand on the chest. Hand on or, the chest. Yeah. Or maybe it was you who said that. In any case, she but said it is, like, too. yeah, mm -hmm. it is just, like, the act of t embracing yourself and how that yeah. can sort of, like... Self-kindness. Right. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, that's interesting. And so... Regarding or expanding then to mindfulness, how would you say, I mean, it's such a buzzword right now mm -hmm. and everything is about mindfulness, everything you hear, um, obviously meditation is huge, but like how, what's sort of like a real 
pragmatic way that people can exercise mindfulness on a daily basis. Yeah, yeah. Well, as opposed to meditation, mm-hmm. which is a more like structured. Pra- I mean, meditation can look a lot of different ways too, but you know, essentially, meditation is a more structured practice of of being seated. You know, focusing on the breath right. and being able to notice when your mind starts to wander in order to then redirect it back to the breath. Mindfulness is more about single-pointed focus, where I think it's safe to say most of, most of us these days are, you know, our attention is so split going a million different directions. And so a lot of times when we're, when we're eating, when we're driving, when we're focused on conversations, we're, our attention is so split elsewhere. And so right. being able to get curious about how we're feeling, what we're noticing, what's happening in, in our minds, it, we're sort of pushing that into the, the background because we're you know, directing our attention outward. Right. So I think in a good example is you know, mindful eating, for example, right. is an example of how we can practice mindfulness doing whatever we're doing throughout the day. Totally. Where it's the practice of just coming back to what we're doing in that moment. And with, eat, with eating, for example, like how does it taste? You know, how are we feeling? When are we full? What are the thoughts that are flying by without also, you know, checking social media or watching right. TV or like surfing, surfing the web and then having a, um, this experience of like where all of a sudden your meal's gone and you still you know, feel hungry or eating it, right? Exactly. Or still feel hungry. Or it's like yeah. the example of like driving and being on autopilot and totally. then realizing like, I have no idea how I got here safely. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So it's just bringing our attention back to what it, what it means to do something intentionally. Right. In right. And to, to that end, like self-awareness, like I was saying just a few minutes ago, I was like, I'm a little bit nervous about this, yeah. this podcast, yeah. you know, and that is almost comforting to late, not label it, but put to be aware that it's okay to have this feeling. And it almost like minimizes it. Accepting it helps you sort of channel it or it just flows through you more. Yes. Um, yeah. We're not yeah. resisting an experience or trying not to feel it. Exactly. Which, uh, especially in the case of something like anxiety. Right. Intensifies it. Totally. Like exactly. The more we try to not feel something, the more it tries to get our attention. Exactly. So when we can just acknowledge it, and I call it like putting a little name tag on it, like, right. oh, there's nervousness or there's anxiety, right. it allows it to kind of run its, it totally its natural trajectory yeah. and dissipate. Exactly. And I've found that's been helpful in with me and obviously we've been working on some things together but um anyway yeah so the um just being like wow I feel sad right now or I feel lonely right now or I'm missing so-and-so right now Mm -hmm. helps to just I don't know it's that self-awareness really helps to just let things flow and And that's mindfulness yeah right exactly just being able to say oh I miss so-and-so right I feel sad where we're not then getting into the story about it. it totally. We're just yeah. acknowledging like what's here right now. Exactly. Versus kind of spinning spinning the story and weaving all these different things that sort of aren't that productive or helpful. Well, it takes us out of the present moment. Right. We're like, I miss so-and-so, and does so-and-so miss me? And the yeah. last time we saw each other, we did that, right? Where you're getting more sure. into this, like that's the rabbit hole, right? You exactly. You kind of go down that track, yeah. which is not being present to just what it's like to feel sad or to miss someone exactly and to just attune to that experience we're, we're going into more of the rumination you know kind of past stuff or we're getting caught up in future, future worry right. anxiety exactly yeah um so that's great now 
just to back up a little bit, mm-hmm. um, what inspired you to become a therapist? That's a great question. Um, I, I'm someone who's always had a lot of feelings mm-hmm. and as far back as I can remember, yeah. have used like writing yeah. as a process of self inquiry mm-hmm. and that sort of helped me develop insight, awareness, uh, intuition, I right. think. And yeah. So that Interesting. was a big, uh, a big tool for me just in terms of processing all yeah. these feelings I had and making sense of them. And I think that that sort of naturally led me to um, study psychology yeah. in an undergrad, right? And then you know that uh, continuing on that course right. landed me in yoga teacher training yeah. with the intention of of being a yoga teacher. I've I've been practicing for years and yeah. thought that oh this is what I'll do next, right? And it was in that deep dive into yoga that I identified that it wasn't actually. Um, the teaching aspect mm-hmm. that I wanted to like continue mm-hmm. on, down, you know, down that path. I wanted to get more into the self development, more heavily into the self inquiry, and so that actually catalyzed my return to graduate school. Okay. Um, ten years ago was when I did my yeah. teacher training, and so, That's so cool. Yeah. yeah, it's and I mean I I find that fascinating in life. It's like you know what you're interested in, you know mm-hmm. what you're passionate about, but you don't always know how to execute or what that's going to how it's going to manifest or what it's going to look like in the end not that there's really ever an an end there's always a journey but I mean I think that that's so interesting that's like from a very young age you knew that intuition the writing the sort Mm -hmm. of like the feelings and all of that didn't you didn't realize that it was necessarily therapy you know at the age of 22 that that's what you wanted to practice and it takes time to sort of nourish and nurture and you know figure out where how you want to make that happen but that's cool so tell me or tell us a little bit more about the yoga training what what kind of yoga did you practice or do you is your favorite yeah type of practice vinyasa which yeah. essentially is just more of the there's the sun salutations the between mm-hmm. poses the flow right yeah and so what about that do you do you think helps you in terms of like your practice as a therapist so many things. Yeah. Like, I, I love like going back to what I learned in teacher training or even just as I continue to deepen my practice, you know, it's become such a, um, a, a rock for me just in terms of like a nervous system reset right. after totally. a day or after a week with clients. But I'm, I've also recently this last year, I've just been noticing so many overlays with like the yogic texts and the teachings yeah. from yoga with some of the language and the, and the um, modalities that we use in therapy right. and, and sort of have developed this kind of personal philosophy of like the yoga of therapy. That's so Where cool. so much of what we're doing in yoga is learning to be present in right. the moment, in the discomfort, in yeah, a pose exactly. that maybe we don't want to be holding True. and to stop making stories about that and yeah. just let that be the experience. And, and also in yoga, it's a lot about, you know, breaking out of harmful patterns, mm-hmm. um, you know, non-clinging, non-attachment to past sorrow or suffer- suffering or past joys, you know, and, right. and learning to sort of de-identify with all of these kind of labels that we've stuck on ourselves. Right. Um, and also breaking harmful patterns that have been hurtful or breaking out of a homeostasis yeah. that's good enough, but that maybe isn't True. actually serving us. Which is a lot of what we do for sure in therapy as yeah. well. Yeah, exactly. Um, but also, what came up when you were asking that? I was thinking about vinyasa specifically in that flow aspect. Right. And that speaks so much to what we were saying earlier about allowing emotions to just take flow. this exactly this trajectory yeah. in a, an organic and um, 
in a way where we're not trying to hinder them or interfere right. with them. And I know this is deviating a little bit off course, but what would you say, so regarding that flow mm-hmm. and say getting over loss, say heartbreak or kind of moving forward, I mean, do you mm-hmm. think it's there's any positive in ruminating on in the past? I mean, is that not helpful at all or is some of that important? That's, a, I mean, that's a great question. And I feel like that's what comes up a lot um, especially with like new clients, this mm-hmm. question of, uh, you know, isn't that just dwelling yeah. or it's in the past, there's nothing I can do about it now. Right. Or what's the point of talking about that if what's done is done. Right. And in, in one aspect, it's like, that's correct. We don't just want to dwell on it because right. then we feel helpless or exactly. we feel victimized by something that's happened in the past. So my philosophy on that is more that we, we go back to what's happened in the past mm-hmm. as a means of kind of repairing that in the present moment. Right. That's and a good way to put it. Right? Yeah. And what I mean by that is learning to develop a new story about it, a new relationship mm-hmm. to it, so that we actually can move forward, so that we grieve the loss, we grieve whatever's happened to us, we make sense of it, we relate to it in a different way, right. so it doesn't keep acting like a scratch on the record totally. as we're trying to move forward and exactly. play the full record. Yeah, and that's where the past is counterproductive to moving yeah. forward. But it is important to understand to avoid making mistakes or repeating those same maybe unproductive patterns going forward. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, so that's interesting. Um, what do you think is the biggest challenge that you find your clients struggle with um, with respect to relationships? I think one of the biggest challenges, whether it's relationships to you know a romantic partner, a family right. member, um, or even to ourselves, is how to embrace vulnerability as a strength mm. and how to to lean towards someone in a moment of distress right. versus away from yeah. someone. Yeah. And how do you help people through that? Or how do you help people learn how to be vulnerable? I think that's a lot of what we're doing in therapy, just this this practice of starting to build comfort with not only kind of witnessing our own Mm -hmm. emotions, but allowing ourselves to be witnessed by somebody else too. Right. And, you know, and a lot lot of that is like kind of throwing off shame or dispelling shame, right? Because some of the power, some of the power that shame has over us is that it convinces us that whatever it is that we're not wanting other people to see or the thing that we're not wanting to talk about, shame convinces us that that is like so bad that we shouldn't talk about it, right? Exactly, yeah. And I was just thinking as you were talking about that, um, I have a, a new ment- like professional mentor mm-hmm. and our first meeting, I was nervous about it. She's, you know, she's pretty far along in her career and very well respected. And But our first meeting, it was sort of like get to know each other. Mm-hmm. And I sort of decided to take the approach of just like giving her my life story and saying, you know, I've been divorced, which I have some shame around that in certain mm-hmm. circumstances and others I don't. But in this instance, I it, I didn't know whether it was the right thing to say that, but I did. Mm-hmm. And I felt immediately this, like, her opening up and her just feeling yeah. this. There was this intimacy that was immediately created yeah. because of this thing that I shared. I think she felt, wow, this person is... Sh-, and it turns out that she 
it's also divorce. And so it was just interesting to be, to see, it was so palpable, like this bond that was created by sharing and being vulnerable and opening up right from the get-go, which is actually very rare for me. It usually takes me a while Mm -hmm. to open up. Um, But it was really powerful to see that, wow, that's, that's a really positive thing. But in other circumstances, I think it depends on the other person, right? I mean, sometimes being vulnerable is terrifying. Is terrifying. <laughs> is that? But some people may take yeah. advantage of that. I mean, do you think that? I feel like in some circumstances, mm-hmm. I've felt like I just couldn't be vulnerable because they would show, they would take that as a sign of weakness, just intuiting the type of person they are. Do and you, that to me sounds like healthy boundaries, yeah, right? And, right. And that's knowing, true. being able to kind of gauge your safety, like, right. is my emotionality safe in this circumstance, totally. right. or do I want to have more of a barrier? Like, I love what you're saying about with with the mentor, where oftentimes, and I think this is especially true with our loved ones, our partners, when we're vulnerable, that gives permission to the other exactly. person to kind of meet us there. Totally. But if we're in a place where our intuition is saying, "Oh, this mm-hmm. doesn't feel like the most safe." Right. climate, maybe I'm going to keep my cards a bit closer to the totally. best. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, and so, yeah. And I guess regarding that, and we touched upon it a little bit, but what would you say are three tips? doesn't have to be three. Mm-hmm. It can be one or two, um, <laughs> that you would suggest for people who struggle with vulnerability mm-hmm. to help them kind of navigate that opening up in, re- in relationships. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I guess the first thing that comes to mind is this idea of, of um, like window of tolerance or mm. like optimal frustration, optimal discomfort, which basically just means working your edge. Like okay. If you struggle to be vulnerable in your intimate relationship, for example, right. um, noticing when that wall first starts to come up and you want it to pull away or yeah. you start to notice where you're shutting down and to just move the needle a little tiny bit, like share a little bit more than you normally would, or yeah. if it's in the, in the middle of a conflict or a, a more of a charged situation. If you'd normally leave the room and you know go into the kitchen or go into the bedroom, stay for another minute. Like yeah. Building this capacity right. to tolerate something that feels charged, that feels uncomfortable, that feels new. Right. You, know, you think about with a like with a, a crying child, like our inclination is to move towards them. But when right. you know when we're when we're feeling distressed or when we're noticing someone else feeling distressed, often as adults, our impulse is to move away because we feel true oh, challenged. Yeah, it feels scary, right? Yeah. Yeah. Where the exactly. vulnerable thing is actually to move close to the distress. Right. So kind of working that edge there. Yeah. Um, let's see. Another, th- the question was about developing vulnerability. Yeah. 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 I would say. Just tips. Yeah. Just in general. Like, yeah. how do we do How that? do you do vulnerability? How do you do yeah, it? Yeah. Because it's not easy for everyone. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think another, another tip is to start deconstructing the story about vulnerability. Mm. You know, if your story is vulnerability is a weakness, right. looking at where that story comes from. Is it because, yeah. um, is, it, is it cultural? Is right. it something you learned from your family? Did you have a bad experience being vulnerable and, right. and becoming very hurt as a result of what happened during the course of that interaction? So starting to deconstruct, yeah. why do I think this? And what what am I actually defining vulnerability as? Mm-hmm. Um, what would it look like to you know embrace vulnerability? What gets in the way of that? Right. Sort of deconstructing it with you know a partner or a therapist or right. even just personally like journaling that. Yeah. 
Um, and the third, the third strategy, I guess, is this idea that I'm excited about right now called, uh, that I'm calling emotional Mm -hmm. fluency, Mm -hmm. which is essentially being able to, to name the physical experiences of emotions as we feel them in our body. Because I think there's a big disconnect where we'll like feel, feel an emotion uh, or like feel like the, the, the heat from it or the clenching or the tightness, but we're not always able to label, Oh, that's what happens to me when I feel scared or I feel angry. And part of that is because like, I didn't get, I wasn't taught this as a kid. Like I don't think most of us were taught this as a kid. And so part of it is just developing this, this vocabulary as adults. But I think the other part of it is that we we have this tendency to get caught in thinking about emotions for sure and thinking yeah. that that means we're feeling them but really so we're just true. thinking so about true. feeling them yeah and so being able to actually like sit with as we were saying right. at the beginning of the conversation like oh this is sadness this is right. how i feel when i'm sad I can take care of myself in this versus getting into the story about, oh, I feel sad and this is why I feel sad and this is what I should do about feeling sad. Right, right. Just pausing to feel it helps us develop that emotional fluency. Exactly. Which I think, I think part of the fear around vulnerability is that it's asking us to do something that's unfamiliar to a lot of Mm -hmm. of us, which is lean into emotions that maybe feel scarier or that feel more unfamiliar. So it's it's sort of like, um, you know, turning on the light and seeing that there's no monsters under the bed. It's like yeah, starting to that's true. like get comfortable feeling the things that we've been telling ourselves we don't want to feel or we've been telling ourselves that they're too painful to feel. Right. Breaking that down, allowing ourselves yeah. to feel into that so that when the opportunity arises to maybe work that vulnerable edge, we're like, okay, I can go there. I know I can right. take care of myself right. in this place. True. And it's not, you know, and I think the point of vulnerability is not just about exposing your weakness Mm -mm. it's more about showing up like Brene Brown talks about showing up and being heard and that can be a real sign of strength too it's like being the first person in a relationship to say I love you or telling someone that they hurt your feelings when they said whatever Mm -hmm. you know it's being or not avoiding conflict Mm -hmm. all of those things are sort of being vulnerable answering the phone when when you don't want to. <laughs> or you don't know, you know the number. Or you don't know the number. <laughs> or it's, you know it's going to be about, a ch- you know, yeah. involve a challenging conversation yeah. and avoiding that, but instead choosing to answer the phone yeah. and have that conversation. Yeah. So it is not just being like about being weak. It's about really just being there. And honoring your truth. Too. That too, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I think those are great tips. Um, how do you think people can find a balance between the relationship with oneself mm-hmm. and personal growth while maintaining a healthy relationship with their partner, whoever they may be. I think that's mm-hmm. probably challenging for a lot of people, mm-hmm. but to sort of sustain a long-term relationship with whoever it may be, but still keep growing and evolving. Mm-hmm. Like how, how does that happen? Like, I mean, that's a great question because I think ideally that is what we're doing. You know, we're, ideally we're, we're continuing to grow and evolve and our relationships get to grow and evolve with us. Right. Ideally. Ideally. Mm-hmm. Um, the first thing that comes to mind is, is including them in the conversation, right. including your partner or a significant other, whoever that might be, you know, a close friend or a family member, whoever right. you're wanting to maintain that relationship with. 
um, including them in the conversation of what you're finding in this personal growth in, in your own development. Um, talking about what you're learning about yourself, what scares you, asking them some of the questions that you're exploring personally. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes um, if one person in a relationship is doing a lot of personal work, that right. can be scary or threatening to the other Intimidating, person. Intimidating, yeah. Intimidating, sure. or there's the belief of like, well, what are they going to find? Exactly. Are they going to find that this relationship doesn't work for them anymore? Right. And, and truthfully, sometimes things do come up. Yeah, Where you're sure. like, wow, this is something that I have to really, you know, consider. And this, is this relationship serving me? Or, or can I... Can I do this work and also still be in a relationship in this way? And so being able to have those conversations yeah. as challenging or vulnerable exactly. as they may be, yeah. I think is a crucial aspect of not limiting the growth process right. as well or feeling that like that growth has to be stagnant or, or mm -hmm. you know, stalled in order to maintain contact. Right. Right. It's hard, though, because that, that personal growth is not always congruent with or supportive of the growth of the relationship or can feel that it would challenge the relationship but I think to your mm -hmm. point it, it is about having those conversations and these are things that I am working on and yeah. am hopeful that it will lead to a healthier relationship yeah. but it is yeah I think that that's um, a challenge do you think that relationship struggles are just like a natural thing with being human oh yeah I mean and not only natural but like crucial like no, that's like a good way of putting it yeah you know, we we need to have conflict that's part of growth it's that's like that true. you know kind of stone polishing stone or even the right. idea of optimal discomfort that I brought up before it's like that's where the good stuff is that's, that's where the growth is yeah and of course you know there's there's healthy conflict and, and there's unhealthy conflict as well but that's that's such a crucial actually it's a crucible right it's a right. crucial crucible right. Right. in yeah, terms of, it. of what catalyzes our our development and yeah. and there's a lot of um like we're not going to be able to relate to people in our lives no. like I, I like i tell couples when i work with couples like if we're not fighting there's there's a problem here i think that's absolutely yeah I, so I encourage totally. conflict in yeah. my couples. No, that's <laughs> within you know within within reason. Healthy and, conflict mm -hmm. and healthy conflict is being able to have those arguments. Yeah. Those you know, and expressing that's a skill set. it yeah. is a skill set. Yeah, and it's something that, um, like in my marriage, I don't think we argued enough. Mm -hmm. I think it was my avoiding that conflict to make things harmonious in the marriage, yeah. and it la it la I think it lasted as long as it did because of that in some ways, but then it ended. You know, because of, you know, I don't know how to express it, but like maybe one person compromising too much. Obviously, that's just one side of the story, but too much compromise on one side and then resentment gets built yeah. and there's been no conflict expressed, you know, between yeah. the two people and then in the end, you know. So yeah. I agree. I think conflict is really important. It's stressful. It's exhausting. Yes. Um, but it's also can be stimulating too. And to when when one per person just always like rolls over, that's not very fun either, right? Like, right. I think it's helpful when both people. What it reminds yeah. me of is, um, like, when I talk to clients about anxiety, I mm -hmm. talk about how anxiety is, um, is actually the the absence of, of emotion. It's, oh wow! There's a lot of sensation. You know, it's uncomfortable. There's a lot of sensation associated, wow. 
But anxiety is more of this stuck energy where the emotion is kind of stuck under yeah. the anxiety. So when we're so feeling anxiety, it's it's often because there's something else that we're not wanting to feel. Yeah. So I'm applying wow. that to what you're saying about conflict and relationships where it's like if there's not conflict, it's probably because there's something that we're avoiding. There's something that yeah. we're not wanting That's totally to true. talk about, look at, yeah. feel. Face. Mm-hmm. All and, of it. And so we're not fighting because if we're fighting, it would mean we're making contact with whatever that scary that's, thing is. I think that's absolutely true. Wow. Yeah. I hadn't heard of anxiety like that, but that's, that's, kind of, that's how I hold it. No, that's so interesting. And, yeah. yeah. It's, it's kind of a different way to, to, to frame it. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Now I'm trying to think about how that affects me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Although I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm both like anxiety, but also lots of emotions. I don't know, but sometimes stoic. So maybe that's mm-hmm. where the anxiety comes mm-hmm. from. Um, so we talked a little bit earlier about practicing mindfulness and self-compassion. Um, let's talk a little bit more about the mindfulness, I think, because a lot of people, I mean, there's so there's a lot of talk about that. There's a lot of talk about meditation. I think a lot of people feel pressure hmm. that meditation is like this thing that they're bad at. Yeah. And so what I like about mindfulness is it just is less judgmental feeling. It's mm-hmm. it's more um approachable. It's easier to do. It doesn't it's not you sitting in a room cross-legged for an hour with nothing, no sound. Yeah. That for a lot of people is just overwhelming. Yeah. And so mindfulness is this thing that you can just do. Um but talk talk a little bit more about that. Like yeah. how a, is meditation beneficial? We know that it is. Studies show that mm-hmm. it is. But, I mean, how can mindfulness be just as valuable? Yeah. Well, in the way you're describing it, I'm almost thinking of the mindfulness as, like, the kind of, like, meditation to go. Like, yeah, to totally. take it with exactly. you. Yeah. And truthfully, meditation also doesn't yeah. have to be the sitting in a room totally. with no sound. Like, yeah. it's, it's all just a practice. And whether mm-hmm. it is more of a dedicated, you know, seated mind meditation right. practice or more of a mindfulness practice, which you can also do in more of, like, a, um, a seated, structured right. form. Both of those are just being able to, like, bring our awareness back to... Um, back to the present, back mm-hmm. to what's happening in the moment where we're developing the muscle to um, kind of redirect our attention right. to to like where we are it, it just in the present, whether it's what we're feeling, what we're noticing, mm-hmm. what we're aware of, what's happening around us. Right. Um, to just like ground our senses, to ground the spinning of the mind, for sure. To ground somatically, meaning mm-hmm. like in the body. Exactly. Yep. Um, and so, you know, whether it's this the more formal practice or whether it's while you're driving or while you're in a conversation or while, like we said earlier, with right. mindful eating or while you're in a work meeting, totally. it's this, like, constant kind of tethering back to yourself where mm-hmm. you're, you're out and engaged and you're doing what you're doing and yeah. then you're checking back in, like, how am I doing? Where right. am I right now? Right. What am I noticing? How's exactly. my breath? Where are yeah. my thoughts? Where that gets to be something, it's almost like you know, on your iPhone, like a program running in the background all the right. time. It's yeah. constantly refreshing. It's a good analogy. Thinking of it that way, where it's just this, this observing self that's able to just check back in with like, how's my breath? Yeah. Where am I? How right. am I doing? What am I focused on? What am I noticing? Exactly. It's just like connecting with yourself, mm-hmm. reconnecting with yourself. Um, I like that. That's good. Thank you. Yeah. 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 Um, how do you 
as cat yeah therapist mm-hmm. yoga teacher you know person who's involved in this new expansive voice project wife mm-hmm. all of it friend how do you maintain a sense of self in all these projects in your work mm-hmm. you know dealing not dealing I shouldn't say it like that but helping people through their issues how do you how do you you know maintain your sense of self which I think is very rich but also balance mm-hmm. therapy mm-hmm. <laughs> my own I think therapy is amazing yeah I mean yeah it's the best. and truthfully like that is a ritual that yeah. I'm like so dedicated to like therapists have therapists yeah like we need therapists and how, how long have you been doing that I um I mean, consistently, I would say for like seven, eight years, yeah. but for cool. 10, for 10 years. It's great. Yeah. And yeah. that's something I will probably always do because yeah. I'm a huge fan of it. It's amazing. It's like the best. Makes me a better, all those things you named. Yeah. Like, makes me a better therapist. It makes me a better wife. Makes me a better friend. Makes all me a better it. like business owner. Yeah. All of those things where I just really, um, I really appreciate the ritual of having a place I go once mm-hmm. a week yeah. where whatever I've been marinating on, right. there's space to just kind of dig into that and get curious and have someone reflect back to me what they're hearing. Exactly. Um, it, it's, it's part of like proactive healthcare. I yeah. Think. That's a good way to um, put it. Yeah. yeah. So that's been big. Um, I, I cook a lot, like mm. just in the silence. Like I don't want to listen to music that's when nice. I'm cooking because yeah. it feel that actually feels like a mindfulness practice for yeah. me. Totally um, cutting vegetables. Yeah. And it is so true. There is something about very in the, meditative. In the senses, about, yeah. right? Like tasting things or like yeah. smelling things or textures, just, the sounds, just having it be quiet. Yeah. Um, not that it's always quiet in my house, but it's yeah, just but nice to just not have that distraction where I'm not actually trying to check out while I cook. For sure. Trying yeah. to settle back in. Yeah. Um, I mean, yoga is a big part of mindfulness right. or mindfulness, I guess, balance. Do you, um, yeah. Do you go to a class? Do you practice on your own? Do you do both? What's your typical? I like going to classes because yeah. I enjoy both like, having somebody be able to walk me through it. Right. Where I get to yeah. just you know focus on what the teacher is guiding yeah. me through, and exactly. I also like the the community experience. Yeah, as I well. agree. Yeah. Um, it's nice to be able to walk myself through a practice in a pinch, but it is the like the group. Um, energy aspect experience and energy yeah for sure yeah yeah Yeah, I agree there's something I really like certain exercise Mm -hmm. on my own but there's the benefit like for example I go to soul cycle Mm -hmm. once in a while and I it really truly feels like going to church and it's the community aspect it's the usually having a great instructor at the head of the class like really inspiring you and and being able to let go in ways that you just can't when you're yeah. having to walk yourself through a, a specific flow of mm-hmm. poses mm-hmm. Um, in the case of yoga. But yeah, and to your point about cooking um, kind of as a mindful activity, I've been noticing too, like, and I love music, but I've been finding at this point in my life, I like the quiet more than I ever have. And that's, I remember my mom, who was also like played piano for a long time and loves music Mm -hmm. she said to me a number of years ago like I I like to just be in the quiet and I remember thinking like wow I could never imagine just being in my apartment or in my space without music and now Mm -hmm. I find that that's just so therapeutic to just be relishing that those quiet moments so yeah I think that that's interesting about the cooking in the quiet um so well that's great yeah thank you Kat 
Um, there was another question I was going to ask you, and I'm I'm not remembering at the moment. Um, but is there anything you want to share? Oh, like what are what are some projects mm. that you're working on? Obviously, you're working on the you know you're involved in the yeah. expansive voice. What are what are some other areas of focus that you are working on right now? Um, well, it's top secret. Okay. So I can't tell you yet. Okay. There are some cool things coming down the line just in terms of, um, like I, I feel like personally I'm Mm. on this crusade to just sort of demystify mental health. And that's That's a lot of what I've been doing on my, on my Instagram page where it's like creating these conversations. Which is beautiful by the way. We'll talk about that in a minute, but thank you. Yeah. Um, demystifying all of this, yeah, right. where even the term mental health, I think personally think of as being a bit of an outdated term because that totally. implies that there's mental health and there's physical health and there's yeah. emotional health and there's separate things. Right. And we can't separate no. the mind from the body. It's all it's, it's all, all interconnected. I, I think totally I was agree on that today, just the way yeah. the body's constantly informing the mind and vice versa. And so how do we bring how do we bring, I, 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 you know, emotional, um, fluency is one of the words I use, emotional vitality or vibrancy. Yeah. I talk about it in that way. Or how do we bring that into the wellness conversation as well? Exactly. Because I think there's a lot of talk about, about mindfulness and, um, about, you know, whatever, like plant-based eating or, exactly soul cycle and yoga and all of this. And when we talk about wellness, these are the, often the things that we're talking Mm -hmm. about, but there's still uh, a bit of, as we were talking about earlier, shame associated with saying, I've been going to therapy for 10 years for and sure. I'm going to go for the rest of my life. Exactly. It's like, well, but what's yeah. wrong with you? And what are you working to- on? And, I, right? and, and when I mentioned the, the point about, oh yeah, anxiety and that, and immediately I was like, oh, I hope people don't judge me for saying that I have anxiety. <laughs> and right. the point about therapy, and I've been in therapy um, on and off, but definitely on and off for probably since I was about 22, so a mm-hmm. long time. Mostly for me, it's been in times of distress or trying to focus on a certain thing. Yeah. Now, though, I just find that it is an ongoing thing that I find really helpful. Yeah. Obviously, that's a testament to you because I think you're just an exceptional therapist. But, um, yeah, it's I do. I think it's critical. I mean, yeah. it, it is a cost... Like, obviously, it is a thing of time and costs. And but that's, that's part of what makes it so yeah. rewarding. It's that's like, true. You value it more. You value it's it more. And, and it's this investment that we're making of time, true. of energy, yeah. of finances right. into ourselves that isn't, we're not getting an immediate return. That's a good point. Where it's not that we yeah. like splurged on a fabulous pair of shoes or a really good meal where we get right. that instant gratification. To ourselves. So it, there yeah. is this trust that what we're investing in does pay off. Right. And that takes. It takes time, it takes patience, it takes commitment, it takes dedication, it takes all those things. Energy. Energy. I mean, and I remember having a session with you afterward and you're like, oh, how do you feel? I'm like, oh my God, I am so tired right now. (laughs) So tired. It's hard work. It's hard work. And to like, you know, channel and unload all of those emotions and feelings and thoughts and it's a lot of talking and all of it. Um, But it is like, I think it's the thing that really helps people grow in ways that it's hard to do alone and that's mindfulness too right right? just developing this curiosity around like why did I react that way what is this pattern that's coming up and so this is yeah these are the conversations I want people to be having where it's demystifying this whole process and it's like 
yeah, get your green juice and mm-hmm. do your spin class, but also find a therapist that yeah. you trust, that you connect with, exactly. and build that in as part of your proactive health care so that I you have that. those tools in place before... A crisis hits, exactly, to, yeah, and it it is to your point, being proactive and being, you know, getting ahead of it versus having to be reactive because shit hits the fan. I mean, it's inevitable that shit will hit the fan, that there'll be some relationship, work, life, death thing that's going to happen in all of of our lives, and Mm -hmm. so to sort of get ahead of it Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. through through those means, I think is really helpful. yeah. Well, I'm excited to hear about, I feel like I might have an idea, but anyway, <laughs> I'm excited to hear more and learn more about uh-huh. that. Um, so if people want to find you, how and where can they find you? I think the place that we are talking about is Instagram. Yes. It's been a, a beautiful really Instagram. interesting, thank you. It's yeah. been a really interesting experiment where I'm like, yeah, I don't know like what, where this is leading, but it's brought some really rich connections into That's my great. life. And, um, I, I it's, I think giving people an idea of what therapy can can be mm-hmm. about that doesn't have to look one way or another. There's a lot of different orientations and styles, and totally. just to be able to talk about these things outside of therapy too. Um, so it's just at therapy with cat with a K and at, ther- at therapy K. Ther- Sorry, wait, is it what is it? Therapy with cat. Yeah, therapy with cat. So it's at therapy with cat K A T. Yeah, that's. Cat's Instagram you handle. You can find my website there, and also you can email me from that site. Right. My website is kdollintherapy.com, but it's easier to just go to, to Instagram, Instagram and click over. Exactly. Yeah. Great. That's awesome. Well, thank you, Cat. It was so, so fun to chat with you today, as always. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so look look forward. Find Cat on Instagram. Her website is there as well. Cat. Um, Dolan DeVos um, and looking forward to the next episode.